Hello everyone, my name is Rachel and I'm going to share today's teaching text with you all. Firstly, in Matthew 5 verses 13 to 15 it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And then secondly, in Acts 2 verses 42 to 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. So, so good to see uh, you all today. And it's so good to be speaking again to all of our campuses in Chesterfield, in Rotherham, in Derby, in Sheffield, and in Stocksbridge as well. It's so good to be together today. And also today is our second week of having welcome lunches. And, uh, and so after our 11 o'clock service today in our campuses, in four of our campuses, we've uh, got welcome lunches and it's so good to see many people connecting, who've been connecting with Icon Church over the last few months, coming to those lunches. And I want to invite you, if you're in a service today, you've come for the first time, I want to invite you, stay after the 11 o'clock service or come to the 11 o'clock service. If you live, if you're watching online and you live near any of these four campuses, Chesterfield, Rotherham, Stocks, Bridge or Sheffield, then you can get to that campus, to the 11 o'clock service today, and actually you can stay for lunch, and uh, we'd love to meet you, and so that you can find out more about Icon Church. Well, this is the last week, the third week of our City on a Hill series that we've been doing in all of our campuses over these last few weeks, and um, I mentioned, we've mentioned a few times Derby, and the pastors of our Derby campus, Andy and Kirsty Ball, launched a charity in 2019, I believe it was, called Known, Valued, Loved. Their objective is um, to um, advance education primarily in communities impacted by conflict anywhere in the world by improving both equality of access and the quality of provision for children and young people. Well, last week, about two dozen people from Icon Church, different campuses, did a sponsored walk, did incredibly well, raised over £4,000 for that charity, which was fantastic. The walk they do every, uh, that this year was 34 miles, and, uh, and people undertook that walk who had, let's say, various levels of training. There were some injuries after the walk and so on. There were some people who did the walk and they walk every week. They walk a long walk at least once a week, every week. And, uh, and they, they don't seem to be too badly affected by that walk. There were other people who did some training knowing that to, to get to 34 miles. So they'd, they'd staggered that over maybe a few months and done some training. And then there were some people 
who did no training whatsoever and walked for 34 miles. What kind of week do you think those who had no training whatsoever had Daniel Lloyd this week? You're right. They had a painful one. Um, I've heard that the government has developed a test. In fact, uh, the government invited me to take this test where you have a scan and you walk into the scanner and it reads your bone structure, your muscle health and your brain and it, it tells you the potential for your purpose in life or, or what you could be brilliant at. Well, I did the test and uh, you'll never guess what it came out as. No, you'll never guess. Apparently, I could be a brilliant marathon runner. <laughs> Fantastic. When I got the test, I thought, but I don't run. And they said, well, no, it's not, it doesn't matter whether you run. It's the potential that you have to run. And then I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a world-class marathon runner. So what do you do when you decide to be a world-class marathon runner? Well, the next morning you go up and you go to the sports shop and you get the kit. That's what you do, don't you? You get the kit. So I got the jacket, the running jacket. I got the top. I got the short shorts. Uh, all, of, all of that. And then you put the kit on. You look at yourself in the mirror and you think, I look good. I'm a world-class marathon runner. I mean, I even like the short shorts. But, uh, and you set off. But then after 500 meters, I started sweating. And after 800 meters, I'm completely out of breath and I quit. And I think the government lied. How can I run a marathon this year if I can't even run a mile? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. The test isn't real. A test isn't real. I didn't take a test. I, I haven't got the potential to be a world-class marathon runner. I made it up. But behind this story is a principle. No matter how much possibility or potential, no matter how much encouragement and motivation you have, it's not achieved by trying. It's actually realized by practice. In week one of this series, we talked about being a city on a hill and how our priority is to see God's kingdom come and to see salvation and rescue in the lives of people, to proclaim the good news of God's kingdom and the invitation that you can be a part of God's kingdom right here, right now in 2021. In week two, we talked about presence, the fact that God wants you and me to be a kingdom presence, both individually and collectively in his world. And we shared both weeks how the gospel is not just a ticket to heaven when we die and a, and, and a ticket that means we'll avoid, avoid hell in the future, but the gospel is a calling and a purpose to be part of Christ's community and Christ's mission, the church that brings heaven to earth now and actually gets the hell out of here and now. And maybe over these last few weeks, like me, you've asked the question, well, that sounds great. It's a big vision, but how? How do we do it? Uh, maybe you've, you, you've asked that question like I have. Well, I'm going to talk about that today. And that's why today I'm talking about practice. I'm talking about practices. Priority, presence, practice. You see, it's a big vision, isn't it? Bringing heaven to earth. 
That's a big vision. And you think, well, how on earth can I do that? It's, it's a big vision to get the hell out of here. Because when you look at our world, and I'm just, I'm just watching um, the 12, started watching the 12 series of Anthony Bourdain, whatever his name is, uh, and, and his travels around the world, you realize there's a lot of hell still in this world. It's a big vision. And you ask the question, how? How is this ever going to happen? And like me, you may have doubts. Well, that's okay. It's okay. You see, the marathon runner story shows us that our goal is not achieved by trying, but by practice. If you try to run a marathon straight out of the gate, you will fail. And that's why today we're talking about practices. And our marathon story, though, does show us that this is how often how we live the Christian life. How we, how we try to live the Christian life. I mean, have you ever heard a message on prayer and thought, I'm going to pray more? I'm going to pray for an hour a day. And so, you know, you set the time, you think I'm going to sit down, whatever that time is, and you get in your room to pray, and three minutes in, you're done. I mean, has has anybody done that in Stocksbridge or Rotherham? I mean, like I've done that, your mind is all over. Anybody been there? In that, you're absolutely done. Or you've heard a message uh, like about giving or sowing and giving generously. And you think, that's it. I'm going to give generously. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give God the first and the best. And you do it. But you don't change your other habits around finances. And you find yourself struggling. And you stop giving. And you think, somebody lied to me. Somebody lied to me, just like, you know, in my story, the government lied about me being a marathon. You think somebody lied because of all these promises. Or maybe fasting. And you think, I'm going to do a full fast. I've heard a message on fasting, church is fasting. I'm going to go for it. I got my short short, and I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do 24 hours, no food, no water, 24 hours. I'm just going to pray at the time. And it comes to supper, and you feel like you're dying. Anybody been there? Feel like you're dying. And you quit, and you feel a failure. I've I've been there. I've got these t-shirts that I'm talking about. Actually, a friend once told me about an organization that he'd worked for years ago, and that they would pray and fast every Monday, and it was meant to be a full-day fast. But he said at supper time, the leader of that organization would go out and have double fish and chips because he felt like he was dying at the end of the day. And so often then we find ourselves in this cycle. I drew a little, you liked my little illustrations in the notebook, so I drew you one for today. We feel like this. The the non-victorious Christian life, I called it, that we need to try harder we need to pray more, we need to give more, we need to fast more, we need whatever more. We need to try harder. But then we find we're not able to do it and so we become tired and we quit and then we feel guilty. We feel like we're a failure. It's the non-victorious Christian life. I'm sure you can relate to that today. And then we hear another message on prayer and we try again. It's the cycle or another message on fasting or another message on giving, whatever it is. I believe today God wants to free us from this cycle. 
He wants to set us free from this cycle. He wants to change our mindset today. He wants us to understand that there's a process, that there is a vision that God has for us, and that he is wanting to train us for that vision. He wants to move us from trying to training. And, you know, because great goals can be achieved through small incremental steps. You know, I, I know I've thought about icon people this week who've run marathons, and when they decided to run a marathon, they were nowhere near fit enough. And in fact, there are some people in icon right now who were training for marathons, but probably if they tried to run that marathon today, they would quit and fail. And, uh, uh, but if they train right, they'll be successful. You know, a few years ago, I made up another story. It's okay to make up stories. You know, Jesus did it and taught by those stories. So uh, some stories he told actually happened. Others were illustrative like the ones. But a few years ago, I made up a little story really to illustrate this principle. And I want to share it with you. And here it goes. It, It says this, that every January, God visits me. I know, right? I'm special. God visits me. And he he says to me, Paul, I love you. Like you are my favorite. I love you so much more than Ben Lloyd in Stokesbridge. I I, I said, thank you, Lord, but that's that's not a high bar. But he says, okay, I I, I love you so much more than Nathan Blood. Uh, And and actually, I love you more than April as well. And and, and I say, oh, that's okay, God, I'll I'll take this. And he, he says to me, I think you're amazing, and I'm so pleased with what's happening in your life and how you love me and how you serve me, but I'd just like to change 10% this year. And I say, go for it, God, you know, yeah, of course, yeah. And God, that year, changes 10% of my life. Nobody notices, I don't really notice, but God changes that 10%. But then the following January, he comes back and says, Paul, I love you, you're my favorite. I like you so much more than Gavin. You know, and I say, well, God, that bar's even lower than last year. But, um, <clears throat> and he said, Paul, I, I kind of love, love you so much, you're my favorite, but could I change 10%? And nobody recognizes, but God changes 10% that year. 10% this year, 10% the next year. Nobody notices the change. They're small, incremental shifts and changes in attitude and actions. But after five years... I'm unrecognizable. You see, we've got to shift our mindset to God is training us and and away from that we have got to try harder. You know, the Apostle Paul writes to a pastor and he teaches the pastor this. And the pastor's name is Timothy. He's a young pastor in a Turkish city called Ephesus. Well, a a city in modern day Turkey called Ephesus. And Paul writes to him. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I'm I'm just going to pick several verses out. Verses 7 to 10 and 13 to 15. And he says this to Timothy. Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, and here it is, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both this life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that observes full acceptance. Deserves, not observes, full acceptance. And this is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. 
So until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone will see your progress. 10% this year, 10% next year, five years, unrecognizable. You know, the word for train in that opening passage there in that letter is the word gymnazo. And guess what word we get from gymnazo in the Greek? Yes, gymnasium. And it means to train, to practice. We need to go to the gym of spiritual formation. We need to realize that we are in the gym of spiritual formation with the goal of not running a marathon, but actually the goal of bearing God's image in this world and bringing heaven to earth and getting the hell out of here. We need to go to that gym to be the salt that doesn't lose its saltiness. Are you in that gym today? We need to go to that gym to be the church that's a city on a hill, a light that's shining in the midst of the darkness. We need to go to that gym to be a church that sees many people follow Jesus and makes disciples. Paul says to Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Godliness has value for all things, including things in this life and in the life to come. The Acts passage that we've been ready, uh, ready, <laughs> we've been reading for the last three weeks, Acts chapter 2, uh, that Rachel's been reading to us, starts in verse 42, where it says, They devoted themselves. And they devoted themselves because they realized we don't need to try harder, we just need to train. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. There's that word, devoted, that Paul uses with Timothy. And unless we train to be that church, we will be a church that's powerless. But as we train, as the church, we will become powerful and not powerless. Look at the very next verse. They devoted themselves, verse 42. But verse 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostle. So rather than trying to go from zero to a hundred in prayer, go from zero to five. Rather than trying to go from a zero to a hundred in fasting, go from zero to seven. Rather than try to go from zero to a hundred in giving, go from zero to ten. Yeah, just train, train and have that attitude of gymnasio. On that, And instead of finishing your 24-hour fast with double fish and chips, finish with single fish and chips and see how you get on. You see, when it comes to giving, you know, have a giving plan for growth and not trying to leap somewhere that's too far. A giving plan, a plan to grow your giving. Jeannie have done this now over all of our married life. Can we give more? What can we do in this situation? And this is another illustration, not of the non-victorious Christian life, but another illustration in my notebook, the victorious Christian life. Have you got the second picture of the victorious Christian life? practice 
growth, confidence, joy. Practice, growth, confidence, joy. There's no guilt there. There's no shame there. There's no sense of failure there. That actually we're on this, this training for what God has for us. So what I want to do today, just quickly today, is I want you to try some new spiritual equipment. How do you feel about that? I'm your trainer today. We're in the gym. It's called the church. We're going to try. You're going to try a spiritual rowing machine for the first time. How about that? Uh, you're not excited. I know, I know. You're thinking of real gyms, aren't you? You're thinking of real gyms. All right. You see, let me tell you why this matters. Because we've got a high calling as the church. We're talking about big vision, aren't we? Heaven to earth, hell out of here. And, and we've got a high calling as a church to make a difference, to be a city on a hill, to be salt and light, bringing heaven to earth. You see, I don't want you to worry about heaven when you die. I believe Jesus has got that covered. But I want you to be in training to bring in heaven to earth now. So, let's have a look. I want to I introduce you to some possibly training equipment. Spir spiritual training equipment. Here's the first thing. Personal spiritual practices. Now, uh, you might want to take notes. You might want to jot, jot these down or just find the video where they are on the video because I've got a list of a few. Now, I want to say that faith is not an individual thing. It's a community thing. But these are things that you and I can do on our own. And faith is not private. It's communal. We are baptized into the family of the church and we serve God together. But these are practices you can adopt personally. So I've got to go quick. Because I've got eight of these, and then I've got some others that we do together. So here's the first, solitude. Number one, solitude. Spending time on your own with God, completely away from other people and any distractions. Don't take your phone if your phone will distract you. Don't take your phone if you'll be in, in, tempted to check your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed. Don't do it. Get alone, solitude with God, and start... With five hours. No, start with five minutes. Ten minutes. Solitude. Number two, silence. Yeah, just listen. Just breathe. And just be silent in God's presence. Maybe if you have got a mind that goes all over the place, just have a scripture, just one scripture in your mind and just sit and just meditate. Just let that scripture soak your being. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion over all he has made. You're not quoting it. You're not saying it out loud, but you're thinking. You're just breathing the rhythm of life. Silence, fasting, abstaining from food, water, or things you hunger for to make you more hungry for God. But don't, don't start with 40 days. Start with one meal. 
and spend that time, whatever that time is, in God's presence? What about giving generously, living on less to stem consumption in our life? putting together a budget so that within our budget we can give what we want to give to God, trusting God to meet our needs and looking at our giving maybe period on period to see how, how we can increase and taking a small step. Don't try to go from zero to 100, but take a small step. I want to thank you if you're, you're giving to the life of Icon Church. I want to thank you if you, you're giving for the first time today. You know, m- many weekends we have people give for the first time. I want to say thank you. Number five, faithfulness. Do you know faithfulness is a spiritual practice? To reserve your heart, soul, mind, and body for God and his people. It's a spiritual practice. And if you're married, to reserve your heart for your spouse and your family too. Faithfulness is a spiritual. Shut out, close down, unfaithful thoughts and desires. Stay planted. I believe we'll only experience a move of God if we're willing to be faithful. You know, Jeannie and I have had many opportunities, many invitations to leave Icon Church, to move away from Chesterfield and lead other church, but we've shut them all down because we believe faithfulness is a spiritual practice. And we've said we're not going anywhere. And we're believing and continually believing for a move of God. Number six, secrecy. Do things for others without receiving acknowledgement or praise as a way to live for God's approval and not the approval of others. You know, one thing I really dislike is, is, is when I give to something and, and I forget to do the anonymous button. Because I actually believe in secrecy. Thankfully, I do far more in secret than, than is ever published. But I don't have to post it on Facebook, do I? Secrecy. Jesus said, don't let your right hand, left hand know what your right hand's doing, something like that. But just being, just doing stuff that others don't have to know about. Because actually when I do that, I'm doing it for God's approval, not the approval. That was number six. Number seven, study. Read more, study, memorize God's word. How about this month? We're at the beginning of July. Memorizing a verse or a small passage, two or three verses. Just pick two or three verses and memorize them. You know, I started at 13 years of age memorizing the Bible. The very first verse I memorized was Romans 1.16. And I've never forgot it. I still know it. I can still quote it. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first but also to the Greek or to the Gentile memorize scripture God's word memorize a verse this month buy a commentary on a on a on a book maybe a New Testament book you think well Paul I had no idea where to start N.T. writes commentaries are a great place to start the 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 um, everyday I think commentaries I think they're called but they're a great, buy a commentary. And as you read that book, read that commentary. Find out the subtleties, the nuances, the explanations. Study. And then number eight, personal per- spiritual practices, Sabbath. This is giving God a day of your week. Every week for worship with his people and ceasing from work 
to be present with God and with your family, naturally and spiritually, and trusting God to provide for you. Eight personal spiritual practices that you can grow in in 2021. I want to go back to the scripture in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Because here are spiritual practices we do together as the church. Here's the first, the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Gathering together for worship and teaching. It's what the church has done for 2,000 years. Hebrews 10 and verse 25 says this, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. (laughs) Don't do it, it says, but encourage one another, especially now that you see the day of his return drawing near. This has always been the primary act of disciples to meet together. I spoke last week about the church in China where millions meet secretly and unofficially despite persecution. And pastors are regularly dragged off to prison. You know, and I believe in the West we must shift our mindset. Then we must shift our mindset and, and have confidence in our calling and a revelation that we're meant to be a city on a hill. We're not meant to be hidden. You know, and if Chinese Christians in the midst of persecution, in the threat of loss of life can meet, so can we. Let me tell you this, the Jesus, the Jesus I follow is not safe. He's a revolutionary. And I can't make Jesus into my image. He's not a white middle class Englishman. He's not that. He never was that. And why do we gather? We gather because the apostles should teach Jesus. And we should be able to say, that's the Jesus I follow. That's the Jesus I follow. It's been taught. Secondly, breaking of bread. We've done it this morning. Communion in all of our campuses. This is my body broken for you. And we share this meal, this, this covenant meal. And we remember as we eat bread, we're together saying we need Jesus. Jesus, this is your house. This is your church. Jesus be the center. And we all need you. We need to partake of you. We need to partake of your body that was broken. And we drink wine together. And we remember his blood that was shed for us. And his blood that has made us one body in Christ. You know, the Bible teaches us that they... In those verses, they broke bread from house to house. They, they turned normal meals into places of worship. They turned the meal table, the barbecue set, into a place of worship. They turned it into a place of spiritual growth as they ate and talked together. You see, I don't think we need, to, we need more meetings, but we do need to meet more. So why not invite somebody for coffee? I know it's radical. I know it's hard. I know it's revolutionary. Why not host a barbecue for your connect group? You know, everybody brings something. Like, you know, you don't have to pay for it all. Everybody brings something. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The third thing is fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to breaking the bread, to fellowship. You know, when I was a kid, well, a teenager, when I was a teenager, the church I became a Christian in used to have fellowship teas. And the thing I remember about fellowship teas was cucumber sandwiches. (laughs) 
Anybody remember cucumber sandwiches? Cucumber sandwiches and Christian quiche. That's the thing I remember. And so whenever I read fellowship in the New Testament, I just thought of cucumber sandwiches. But you know the word fellowship means partnership. It means us being united in service and purpose for the kingdom of God. It shows us that Jesus took the posture of a servant and so do we. We serve together the purposes of God. Together we build the church. Together we reach people far away to, from God. Together we are salt. Together we are light. We partner together. There's a great story in the Gospels where Jesus uh, needs a boat to teach the crowd. And so he takes Simon Peter's boat and he sits in the boat. The crowd are on the shore and he's teaching them. And it says this in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 to 7. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. What God wants to do is too big for me. It's too big for this service. We need everybody to partner in the good news message of Jesus. And the boat began to sing, partnership, fellowship. These are things we do together if we're to be a city on a hill. And the final thing is prayer. Prayer is something we can do on our own, but it's something we must do together. Prayer together, the prayers of unity. You know, we as a church have all church meetings. I think, I think we have them around monthly and they last for one hour and they're across all our campuses. When I think of the prayer meetings, the together prayer meetings of the book of Acts, we, we read that the place where they met was shaken because of the power of God in response to their prayers. We read that Peter and John are released from prison as people are praying. We read about earthquakes happening. We read that sometimes people were praying together and everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. We read that after a prayer meeting, the apostles went out with boldness to proclaim God's word. We read as a result of that prayer meeting, multitudes believed I don't know about you, but I want to see that today. Amen? I want to see it today. So let's pray. Let's pray. When, the, when it's an all-church prayer meeting, however you can connect, if you can be in the room or you can be on Zoom, let's pray together. Let's renew today our passion to be a city on a hill. And so as I close, that's what I'm believing for today. That we, God would renew in us a passion to do what he's called us to do together to gather. There's millions, maybe a hundred million Christians in China meeting in secret today, knowing what it could cost them. There's hundreds of thousands Christians meeting in Iran today, the fastest growing place where Christianity is growing, knowing what it could cost them. Don't let our comfort Stop us being Jesus followers. The Jesus I follow is not a middle-class white Englishman. He's a revolutionary, and he wants to change the world. 
Let's gather. Let's pray. Let's serve. And my favorite, let's eat. <laughs> let's eat. I want us to change our mindset from trying to training, to put us on a cycle of practice, to grow with confidence. Practice where we practice, we grow and we become confident and we have joy and we repeat. But I want to challenge all of us, try something new, do something different. Why not get a, a partner? You know, they, they, they say the stats when, you, when like a, somebody in training for a marathon or somebody in training to do something and you get, you, you get a, a gym buddy or you get a, a training partner, the stats on progress are enormous. So why not get a partner, get a prayer partner? Get a friend and say, could we pray together for 10 minutes a week? Why not get a fast buddy? You could text each other and say, how are you feeling? Are we having double fish and chips or are we having single fish and chips at the end of this? You can have a prayer partner, a fast buddy. What about getting a solitude sister? <laughs> this is not where two ladies go to the toilets together. Because <laughs> that happens all the But you could get a solitude sister and say, do you fancy just spending half an hour, 15 minutes, whatever it is, just solitude. We can go out for coffee later, but we could sit in a room and we could just breathe. It's good for you. It's good for your mental health. And in your mind, you could just say, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion over all he has made or some other verse that you might love. We're called to be a city on a hill. Go through that list, solitude, silence, study, fasting, faithfulness, secrecy, Sabbath, and giving. Let's be a light to the world. The world needs the church to find rescue. The world needs to ch the church to find that kingdom presence here and now. And in order to be that, we need to, to move from trying to training. Let me close with this before I pray. Paul's words to Timothy, or some of those words. Train yourself to be godly. You won't be godly just like that. You won't be godly just because somebody prays for you. Train yourself to be godly. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect the gift that God has put on your life. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone would see your progress. In what areas will you and I train ourselves to be godly? Come on, let's stand. Why don't we just breathe as we pray? Breathe in the presence of God. I believe the whole atmosphere is full of the presence of God. I believe every droplet of water that we can't see or feel in the atmosphere is full of God's presence. And sometimes I just like to breathe it in and say, Lord, when I breathe in, I'm not just breathing in air, I'm breathing you. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I believe that you're stirring a passion all across the world in your church to see a move of your spirit. And I believe that you're teaching us, you're teaching us how we might be that people 
I pray today, let the right response be found in our hearts. I think of the words of the psalmist who said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my Redeemer. My Redeemer, forgive us for making a Jesus in our image, in our likeness. But I ask, you, I ask you, help us to follow the Jesus who is God and who came to save and rescue us and deliver us and came to send us to be a city on a hill, salt that never loses its saltiness and a light in the darkness. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And we give you all the praise, all the honor and all the glory for all that you will do through this church, through Icon Church, in all of our campuses, in Jesus' name. And God's second favorites in Rotherham said, Amen.